Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cheats from the Cheats Movement Podcast. We have a very special episode for the first time in 2022. Mayor LeVar Stoney is on the podcast. I'm going to give it to you straight. We had about 30 minutes, so it's a very quick interview, but I asked as many questions as I could from myself and from the wonderful, wonderful people in the audience that submitted questions via social media. So ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, Mayor LeVar Stoney. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast brought to you on the Family Podcast Network. I got to shout out the wonderful folks at the VPM ICA Community Media Center. Please make sure you visit them on the second floor of the ICA. They are our gracious, gracious partners. So that is fantastic. Joining me on the Cheats Movement, it's the first time in 2022, but he's no stranger to the show obviously been a friend to the show for a long time, Mayor LeVar Stoney. Mayor, welcome back to the Cheats Movement. Hey, Mark, thank you for having me back, brother. Hey, man, so we got a lot to get into. We have a lot of questions from the audience, questions on social media. I got a lot of questions that we want to <laughs> jump right into. But okay. really, before we go into all of that, you delivered the big uh, State of the City address last week. Couple, I don't know, maybe a week, couple days before that, you had announced that you had your second bout of COVID. Uh, you and I both were battling COVID at the same time. Uh, how are you feeling? I feel great. I mean, I was sick for, what, 48 hours, really. Uh, had a fever, which surprised my physician. When I told him I had, a, I had a fever, he thought I would be asymptomatic or whatnot. But I said, no, I was feeling all the symptoms. I had a fever again, uh, you know, uh, congestion, headache, all that, but it was really a, a short uh, time, uh, 48 hours, and then after that, I was ready to go, but the problem was I tested positive again on my fifth day, which meant I had to stay another five days in the quarantine, so how about you? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Uh, okay. I'm feeling good. It was For me, it was about, I think I started feeling bad on a Friday, felt pretty, pretty bad on a Saturday, and was, was about back to normal. Sunday morning, it started feeling a lot better. And then that following week, tested, tested negative after, um, I, I'd say, about a, about a week of it. Uh, you know, about the 10 oh. to 14-day stretch, I tested negative. Uh, however, the difference with uh, our family is it went through the entire family. So oh. I, I got it. My, my son, who's seven, got it. My wife got it. And it was like this wave of the entire going through the entire house, which we kind of expected. All of us now are testing negative, Cam's back in school. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're feeling good, but it's definitely uh, something I credit. Um, I credit the vaccines and the boosters yep. and you can't prove a negative, but it's one of those things where I don't know where I would be if I wasn't, you know, double vaccinated, boosted up, double boosted up. You know what I mean? So yep. I like to think that my short time of, of feeling bad and my quick recovery time was due to all of that action. I, I would say so as well. I second that. Hey, I remember I had it a year earlier right. and I was way better off the second time around compared to the first time around. So quickly, where are we with, I know you issued, I believe it was a city mandate for, for city employees to get vaccinated. I know there was yes. some states, uh, you know, at the, at the previous governor's administration, there were some state requirements. Um, where are we with city employees in regards to vaccination rates and what's your approach? Has that changed any now? 
um, that we've been living with this for so long. What, what's your approach on city employees getting vaccinated? Well, you know, I think I was the only locality in the Commonwealth that actually uh, initiated a city, um, a mandate for city employees to be vaccinated. We were able to get 92% of our city employees fully vaccinated with the primary series. Um, about eight, uh, 7% or so actually uh, filed an exemption for religious mm. uh, and medical reasons. Um, now, moving forward, we are, we are obviously encouraging folks to get the booster. Uh, I've, I'm, I'll be considering a number of different protocols as we continue to navigate all this. Uh, we still have a mask mandate uh, in place here for city buildings and city employees and visitors of the city buildings. So, you know, we're going to continue to follow the science. Uh, right now, we're still in the red in terms of the transmission rate of COVID in our community. And so we're really not going to change anything differently until we see us drop down from red to, to what I believe is orange, I think, when the transmission rate sort of declines. That's a, I, I believe that is <laughs> a smart approach. I am one that strongly believes, uh, especially in masking um, and, and other requirements for certain employees, not all employees in regards, but I think if you're doing a public good, if you're working for the state, you're working for the city, uh, police department, um, I yes. think they are different levels um, of, of expectation. And I think the, the, those folks, uh, I think it's important and I think it helps. Let me, uh, let me jump right into the state of the city, which you had delivered last week. Um, whenever you prepare for something like uh, a state of the city, it's probably week, week and a half, maybe even longer of preparation. You tend to learn something new that you didn't know uh, yeah. prior to, to undertaking, <laughs> trying to deliver these remarks. What did you learn this time um, either from your administration or about the city itself? Well, um, you know, it, it, it's taking a shorter period of time to prepare for the delivery of those remarks uh, compared to when I began as, as mayor back in uh, 2017. Um, what I learned is that you can't get everything you want to say all at once or it'll be an hour speech. And I don't think any mayor around still the country like, should be doing. It was still like 40-something minutes, right? It, it, was 40, it, was, it, was, it was 40 minutes. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Don't even go there. Oh, no, 40 it's, minutes. It's fine. It's once <laughs> a year. It's fine. We got a lot to say, though. Right. We have a no, lot no, no, to go say. Ahead. Go ahead. But, but what I learned is that you can't get everything into it. And so we had to hit the, we, we had hit the high notes, you know. But there's a lot that this administration has done. I would love to have gone in even deeper into the equity agenda. I would have loved to go on and talk about more about our sustainability efforts. But, you know, you got to keep people's attention in mind here. And so sort of, you know, that's the way it went. <laughs> so that's one the one thing, thing I learned is you can't mash all that in. Folks got to be able to follow this, you know? <laughs> one thing you started on, uh, I think it was one of the first topics you touched on was housing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I want to touch housing in a different, it's such a broad topic. I want to touch it from a couple different approaches. But, but here's my, my question. Every time I drive around the city, I see new housing developments going up mostly in more affluent areas of the city. For example, Scott's Edition is a good one. Most of the demands I hear is for affordable housing or housing yeah. in working class or lower income areas. There appears to be a large gap in access between what I see happening and what I see the people need. What is your administration doing to address this gap? How can we increase housing that is truly affordable for working class families? Great question, but I will uh, bend your premise just a little bit. Yeah, good. And that is, I think there's a need for housing just period. Uh, I think the report that recently came out showed that 
There is great demand out there. It's just, just not a lot of supply at the moment. And we're talking about every income level, not just in the affordability range. We just we need more housing options, period. Okay. Now let's talk about affordable housing, though. Um, my goal has always been we're going to create 1,000 new units of affordable housing uh, over the course of a decade. That's 10,000 units. That's what uh, reports say that we, that's the hole that we are in right now. In order to dig out of it, we have to preserve housing, preserve affordable housing, and create more affordable housing. So to that point, we use $10 million in the American Rescue Plan Act, ARPA dollars. We put that $10 million into the Affordable Housing Trust Fund for, for two years. So that's 20 million right there. And then the final two years of my term, we're gonna finish off with uh, $20 million coming from the administration in the general fund budget. So that's $40 million in affordable housing trust fund dollars put to good use to preserving housing units and also creating new ones. So, so what does that mean? So you got $40 million, hopefully by the end of your plan, $20 million. Yeah. Make that real for folks that are Make it real. Like, like okay. what, what can you do with that affordable housing trust fund? Okay, so what this will do for the affordable housing trust fund, you incentivize developers to, to build different levels of affordable housing at different uh, average median income, right? And also you put money into the trust fund for housing services as well, right? So um, you, you got monies for incentivize developers, carrots for them, but also dollars that protect people to allow for people to actually live in some of this, these housing complexes as well. Are you, are you concerned about gentrification throughout the city? Are you concerned about uh, places like Jackson Ward, Church Hill losing their identity due to new people moving in? I'm concerned about displacement. That's what my number one concern is, is displacement. Uh, the city is going to grow. Uh, I think we should grow. Growth is not a bad thing. Um, my issue is when a certain individual, certain people are cut out of the growth or pushed away uh, and, and not a part of the growth. And so I think, yeah, we should continue to build more in, in all the neighborhoods around the city. Um, and I, But we need affordable housing, not just in the East End and South Richmond. We need it all over Richmond. And I think I, my friends on city council will lead the same thing. Andres Addison represents the most affluent district in all of, of Richmond. And he even agrees we need affordable housing out where he lives as well. So that's how we get to the, the mixed income communities that we all desire. A little switch gears just a little bit, but it's still housing in some sort. Are, mm -hmm. are you following what's been happening with uh, Richmond redevelopment housing and the eviction issue? Um, I know it's not a, it's, I know it's a federally funded RHA is federally funded. I know that there's it's, it's got its own individual board. Yeah. However, um, the eviction issue is something that's been it's real and it's been it's it's been happening. And obviously, we know about Richmond's or RHA's eviction rates and Richmond's mm -hmm. eviction rates. What are we doing? What can be done? What do you think should be done to address this issue? And obviously, we're still in the pandemic. A lot of people are still hurting. A lot of folks are saying now is not the time to 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 kind of escort these, uh, the, the people that can't afford to pay out of housing? Well, you know, we never want to see anyone lose their home uh, at the end of the day. There are a number of families who uh, have hit hard times because of the pandemic, um, have landed on hard times, and we don't want anyone to lose their homes. I, I do commend RRHA. They had a, because of uh, working with the city, they have had a moratorium 
on uh, evictions since I think November of 2019. Right now we're in we're now we're in February of 2022, uh, and we're seeing half of the residents in some of our communities have paid the rent monthly, and another half have decided not to pay anything at all. And I don't think it's fair to those who have paid the rent that other folks who may live next door can go rent free. So I think the RHA should uh, attack this issue with compassion. They have our help with using the Office of Community Wealth Building. We will go door to door. We will call, we will help them phone call these individuals, email them. But here's the thing, folks have to pick up the phone. Folks have to answer the door. How can we help get individuals into a payment plan or help them get access to other subsidies like rent relief if folks won't even respond to, uh, to the R, to R, RHA? Okay. So that's my real problem right there is that there's a fairness factor to this. And those who are working two jobs to pay the rent each and every, day, each and every month, what does that say to them when others can live rent free? You know what? I'm going to let I'm going to let you get off with that one. Uh, only only look only because I know that a mayor has to say I commend RHA as a whole. I, I, I will say this. I know a handful of board members uh, on that on, on, new board members that I think are committed to the people and doing a really good job. Uh, that's as far as I'm going to go about RHA in regards to my, my compliments <laughs> at this point. I know they have a tough job. Like I said, I think, tough job. I think there's some there's some new board members there that really believe in the people and believe in change. I think that they're it's 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 a it's it's a hot mess express over there. Here, here's what I would say to that. I'm not trying to just, you know, you know, I'm going to say this, though. RHA, there is Richmond Redevelopment Housing Authority. They've been focused a lot on redevelopment recently. Mm-hmm. Let's, work, let's focus on the housing part where they are there to manage those properties. Mm-hmm. I true. called out, a, right? I no, called that's, out true. A, that's, that's, that's true. I called out a number of properties uh, in my State of the City speech about how the living conditions that some of our people are living in. And before those people, are, the people over there at RHA are residents of RHA, they are residents of the city of Richmond. They are, they are residents of the city. So I don't want folks to think that we're taking a hands-off approach. I'm just telling you RRHA needs to focus on the conditions within RRHA. How, how often do someone like yourself are in communication with, with RRHA? Because like you said, it's a federal program. A, it has its own we, board. We have a standing meeting once a month with RRHA and their leadership okay. uh, once a month. So okay. I get updates and I ask the tough questions about, so what are we doing here? Well, well, here's that. I want RRHA and I want the city as well to do something bold and transformative. Folks said we couldn't take down those monuments and remove Confederate monuments, and we did that. Now I've, the I've real, got questions about I've got questions about I bet that you, too. I but, bet you do, but the real the real monuments that still lit, stand today in Richmond are those structures in public housing. And I think we can't wait 30 years, which I've seen plans for 30 years. Sure. Until the renewal happens, we can't wait 30 years. We got to do something now. Let me ask this because you mentioned the Office of Community Wealth Building. And I got a really mm-hmm. good question from uh, from my social media. Really well thought out and articulated question. I'm going to ask it now. Oh. When mm-hmm. you were sworn in as mayor, the poverty rate in Richmond was 26%. Yep. Um, it was a big initiative about the Office of uh, Community Wealth Building. And obviously, I know that was, I think, started under the Jones administration. Um, currently the poverty rate is 25%. You're in your second term. 
what needs to be done so, to, to really so, make an impact on the poverty rate? So, you know, first, I don't, I, I think folks are not accounting for the pandemic, okay? Sure, and that's, the good point. that's a great point. That's a great point. Is, the numbers I saw recently is 23.5%, not 25%. Okay. We, we got it down before in 2019 to 21%. And then the pandemic happened. Sure. And we know that this pandemic has been more impactful to uh, our distressed communities more than, than those oh, who are living absolutely. with influence. Absolutely. And so that's why you see that's risen up to 25% now. But that's why every day, Mark, I talk about opportunity, right? We need good paying jobs in Richmond. I love the fact that uh, CoStar is coming to town and they're expanding their, their, their footprint here in Richmond. But this is, this is why I fought for the casino resort because I recognize that these are good paying jobs that allow for people to, to rise up the economic ladder. And so the, the, back, the best program we can get people that will mitigate poverty in the city is, is a good job, job opportunities. And yet the mayor doesn't create jobs, but we create the conditions for individuals to grab that opportunity. We can't guarantee success, but we can surely guarantee opportunity. And that's what we've been working on. We're moving the bears so people can actually access good opportunities and down. This, let's, I mean, you mentioned it in advocating for development deals and jobs. Let's talk about the casino. Mm-hmm. We got it. Well, I'm, I'm obligated. I feel like remember back in the day when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were like circling Always. each other for years, <laughs> but it was like this collision course. And then every, every after every fight, they're like, all right, Floyd, I got to ask you about Manny. All right, Manny, got to ask you about Floyd. That's how I feel about the casino. I have to. I'm hey, we, way, we, we are showing our age by talking about Manny Pacquiao and, and Mayweather. We, but, you know. we could have said Earl Spence and, and Terrence Crawford. We didn't. We know. We know. We wanted to, we wanted we to let the people it. know. We want the people. Um, but I, I got to ask you about the casino because obviously mm-hmm. you advocated hard for the mm-hmm. casino referendum last year and it failed. City Council is back again with a referendum, but this time you proposed a two cents reduction and the real estate tax rate. Here's my question. One, why did you do that? And if the reduction rate is good for the city, why would you attach it to a casino? Uh, well, the, 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 the casino, the vote, a yes vote would lead to a 2% tax rate. I always got to clear that up with people, okay. right? I can't do that without casino revenues or new revenues. And the project that could bring those new revenues, $25 million up front, and then roughly 30 or more million dollars a year or $50 million a year in some studies is, is a casino. And so if I have that money coming in, if I know that money is gonna come through the door, then that's how I can provide a 2% tax reduction uh, on the real estate tax. Now, some folks say, well, well, it was so important to you, you know, you should have done that earlier. You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> that was my next You're question. Right. Like, why we now? Should, we should have done it earlier. You know, okay. we took a more hands-off approach and did not tell folks how these dollars were going to be used. I think that we need to be more uh, assertive and let folks know how much, how the, these dollars will be used for you. So we've said city infrastructure upgrades, R- RPS uh, upgrades, and also 2% tax reduction. Particularly, this is, for me, targeting those who live in Southside who've seen their assessments go up the most over the course of the last five years. This is good. This is good. So you're saying, and just so I'm clear, because I want to be very yep. clear with the, with the people Let's that are listening. Clear. 
if we if the casino referendum doesn't pass and those dollars don't come in, it is impossible for in in the budget to be able to do a two percent reduction of the real estate rate. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the casino revenues allow give us the room to do a tax cut. Okay. If we don't, because people say, well, I want a tax cut right now. Well, then what are you going to cut from the city budget? You're going to cut police officers. You're going to cut money that we give to well, public schools, infrastructure upgrades. What you going to do? What's <laughs> your look? You're we're running. And look, I want to be respectful of time, and I know we can do okay, this all day. Go. And and yeah. I feel like I'm um allow. I feel like I'm going too quick because I know there's more that you can say on each of these yeah. topics. I get it. Um, Let's talk about, you mentioned police. Let's talk about police. Mm-hmm. 2020 was rough. It was rough mm-hmm. between our relationship between the RPD police force and the community. Since then, there's, there's just like, for, let's call it what it is. There was a lot of breaks in trust. There was a lot of breaks in um, how the community views police. Mm-hmm. Where is that relationship now? And has anything been done? Really, do you think has been done or needed to be done to improve the trust in the community and RPD and vice versa? Well, I think we've, we've undergone a healing process since 2020, a, a strengthening process. Um, I believe, you know, I, I've never been a supporter of defunding the police. Uh, never have been because I know we should not, this is not an either or proposition. Uh, this is a both and proposition. I believe that we got a whole the police department accountable, but also we have to appreciate the, the good work they do, particularly in fighting, in fighting crime as well. Uh, since 2020, we've seen an, a rise in homicides, a rise in shootings as well, and we've also seen police uh, officers exit. Now, those who've chosen to leave RPD, I wish them the best, but those who've chosen to stay and those who want to come work here, we want the best to come work here, and we want folks and individuals who are going to treat my, my residents with the dignity that they deserve. And so what I heard during the campaign trail was, Mayor, we don't want you to cut the police. We don't want you to defund the police. We just want the police that show up in the West End to show up in the East End uh, and South Side as well. And that's the sort of police department I want to see. What are your conversations with Chief Smith like about that? Like how, how when you tell him that we want the same police to show up in the West End that show up on the South Side, how does he take that challenge on? How have they been receptive? Because and you can touch this as well. I, I hear, and you can tell me if I'm wrong and, and tell me that this is inaccurate information, but we hear all the time that morale is low and pay needs to be increased uh, mm-hmm. to retain officers. So when you're having conversations with the chief and, and we're relaying these messages on behalf of the people, what, what, how, how does those conversations go uh, in the sense of what does he say that is needed? The reason I brought Chief Smith here is because he understood uh, that it's a two-way street and when it comes to community safety. It's, it involves the community, but it also involves police officers uh, as well. And so uh, if an individual is a, a bad actor, a bad apple, uh, then we got to, you know, they should not deserve, they don't deserve to be on the force and they need to be held accountable. But that doesn't change the fact that our officers need to be, have competitive pay with the region as well. When Henrico's here and Chesterfield's here, and then you got uh, VSP, Virginia State Police, also in the same region. They are essentially we are the uh, the training ground for police officers, and then, then they leave to go to other localities. We have to stop that. But we want the right people on the force who want to actually go out there and do the job and make sure when they wear the badge that they're doing it in a respectful way, not just for themselves, 
and for the people they work with, but also for the community they actually represent too. Where are we on a citizen review board? Uh, in a few weeks, I'll have a, a presentation before the city council that will roll out my proposal for uh, a, a civilian review board. I'm grateful for the CRP task force and the work they put in and taking community feedback. Uh, I brought in Will Pelfrey, a, a professor from VCU, who's a policing expert who's done this work around the country, uh, who helped me right size uh, the, a civilian review board for Richmond. And so what you're gonna see is a civilian review board that fits the needs of Richmond today. Let's do some rapid fire stuff. Because again, Boom. we've got we've got a limited amount of time, and I don't I don't want look I don't want anybody coming in and saying that I abused I abused the mayor's power at time. I don't want to do that. Uh, but these are not going to be look. Some of these rapid fire questions are are, are real serious, so I want to okay. preface right. it with that. All right, here we go. Is there going to be a deal in by the end of your term for a new diamond uh, on yes. the boulevard? What, what what's the deal with this? What's happening? Hey, you know, we have a request for interest uh, out on the streets right now. Well, there's a lot of interest, not just here in Richmond, but all across uh, the country and the region that's coming in. Uh, the submissions, I believe, are due next week. Uh, we will evaluate those submissions and we'll, we'll knock it down to a, a short list. And that short list will have an opportunity to offer uh, their concepts. Um, we will obviously run these concepts by the community, and hopefully we will land on what's working with city council on one concept uh, that will allow for us to build a new diamond. Couple of sides. Long overdue. Where where do you want where do you want the diamond to be? Do you want it to be uh, where it is, or do you want it to be somewhere else? Uh, I think I, I I think it has to be shifted a little bit further down on some of the property that we own. But I'm 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 willing to listen to other people's you know suggestions that we're going to see. <laughs> And the R and the RFOs. Last thing on this because it's a big deal. Look, it's a personal issue. You know, I'm a huge baseball fan. You know this. Yep. Uh, we're we're in 2022. We've had mm -hmm. the we've had the Diamond New Stadium discussion for a, for a long time. Long People time. think it was uh, the downtown stadium. It was actually before that, right? During mm -hmm. uh, when when the previous team left, the stadium was a part of this issue. Why is this? Why are we here in 2022 and we're just taking, we're still taking submission? Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? Well, you know, I, I think that there are some people in Richmond who are allergic to growth. <laughs> All right. All right. Am I, yeah, wrong? I, I said, no, I said rapid fire. So I'm going to look, I'm going to leave. I'm with you. All right. Same thing. Same question. <laughs> premise. Same premise. Is there going to be a real deal for a new George with high school? by the end of your term. Yes, there will certainly be a new a, a deal um, for a new George with high school. Obviously matters have been complicated because of the tragedy that happened with Fox Elementary School, but I, I'm, I'm confident that there will be a new a, a plan for a new George with by the time I leave office, yes. Now, my goal was to have a new George with built by the time I left sure. office, but don't let me go down that rabbit hole with the Richmond School Board. We could be here all day. I'm going to, because it's rapid fire and I know we've got limited amount of time. I got more, a couple more things to go through right now. I got, um, yeah, you, got you got five minutes. We'll, we'll give you a little five more minutes. Come on, go on now. Will there be a deal in place for the Coliseum and that Coliseum, like whatever we're doing with the Coliseum by the end of your term? Yes. Yes. There will be a deal in place by the end of my term uh, for 
a development uh, where the Coliseum uh, stands today. Uh, I plan on, you know, getting that thing, uh, the, the Coliseum demolished here in short order. That's my hope. And um, we got a number of parcels here that make up what we call our city center plan. And so that's going to lead us to uh, an urban redevelopment in downtown Richmond, right in the score, uh, bringing jobs to downtown and also new places for people to live. So, yeah, you're going to see uh, something happen in that part of downtown by the time I, I uh, end as mayor. Switching gears. Where do you see yourself playing a role? There's been a lot of talk about the Democratic Party of Virginia as a political entity. Um, obviously, you're a former executive director before you took public office. It's From what I understand, and I'm not connected to the party like that, but what I understand, there's some some turmoil there. Some, tr- some turbulence is a better word. Turbulence, yeah. Turbulence. Where do you see how, – how, how does someone like yourself play a role in assisting, helping, ensuring that your party gets elected statewide moving forward in the future? Well, you know, I plan on playing a major role, not just here in the city, uh, statewide, but also using my platform as the president of the Democratic Mayor's Association. Uh, I took on that task uh, uh, last month um, or early this month. Yeah, just recently. I'm taking Eric Garcetti's place, uh, the mayor of Los Angeles. Uh, Now I will be sitting on the steering committee of the Democratic Party of Virginia, and I'll be a part of the Democratic National Committee as a member as well. And so uh, I think messaging matters, but actions matter as well. And I I think Democrats have to focus on opportunity again, Uh, better health care, uh, better housing for our people, uh, more uh, uh, innovation in education, but more, uh, more investment in public education as well. I think we have to get back to basics. I just recently had a, uh, an opinion piece in The Hill that talked about how Democrats need to get back to basics. But th- th- the thing is, this is what, Democrat, what Democratic mayors have been doing all along. We have to be pragmatists. We can't be forced into these either or propositions. This has to be a both end. And so that's the sort of my approach as, as mayor, but this needs to be the same approach that the national Democrats take to winning offices moving forward as well. Mayor Stoney, last question. Um, there are folks that say, um, well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll put it on my chin as well. Um, monument removal, great. Mm-hmm. Renaming the boulevard to Arthur Ashe Boulevard, great. Renaming street signs, very important stuff. All but important. mostly... Mm-hmm symbolic gestures on the way to inclusion, diversity, equity. Mm-hmm. What has, what can you say your administration has done? What have you done in a kind of a tangible way to foster diversity, inclusion, equity within your administration? Within my administration or just like my actions as, as a little mayor? bit, I'll give you both. Cause you know, I'll give you both. I want you, cause that is an important question. And I want folks to think that it's not just, hey, we took down some monuments. We're really making some strides to be inclusive, to be diverse. I wanted to represent everything uh, and affect people's lives with representation and equity. Well, I, I first, when I look at my administration, I love going to my cabinet meetings because uh, I have a diversity of voices, whether it's uh, those from different income backgrounds or even those from you know different walks in life uh, and, and different ethnicities as well, around the table representing what I think the new Richmond looks like. And uh, I, I'm grateful for their service to the city, but also these are the individuals who are, who are acting, I think, 
progressive policies that are inclusive of all Virginians, uh, all, all Richmonders, which are Virginians as well. But I, I will say this as well, our actions have to back what we believe. We believe that taking down those monuments were important, right? Absolutely. Well, we have, to, we have to match that with some other actions like the future of RRHA. Uh, I think our, our pilot program on the Richmond, Re uh, the Richmond Resilience Initiative is a great uh, uh, DEI project as well, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Us putting $500 into uh, families who need it who are all, all on the cliff. Our contributions to affordable housing, another uh, equity and inclusion uh, approach that we've taken. We've outlined all this in our uh, equity agenda, right? We are one of the only cities, we get highlighted all the time, Mark, by a number of different publications and different outfits for the equity agenda that I laid out last year. That goes through nine different initiatives that the city is gonna undertake while I'm mayor. And it's my hope that they adopt, continue to adopt those initiatives beyond my time as mayor. And you can find that on rva.gov. It goes pretty thoroughly into economic justice, uh, environmental justice, mm -hmm. social justice uh, as well. So uh, criminal justice too. Look, so, I, I, look, I know you're, 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 look, I know you're taking these questions serious when you call me Mark, because this, <laughs> this, this never happens. I'll let the people okay. know. I'll never okay. say what up, what up. Uh, this never happens. All right. We, look, look, you're done with the tough stuff. Uh, unless this is tough. You uh, you just went through Valentine's Day. You were known <laughs> you were known as a very eligible bachelor for uh, some time. Word on the street is that is not the case anymore. Uh, are, are where are we with this? Look, are, are, am I invited to a wedding? What's happening here? What's going What's going on? A lot of folks uh, want to know the the TMZ part of the interview. Uh, are, are you Are you still Richmond's most eligible bachelor? No, I am not. I'm not Richmond's most eligible bachelor anymore. I, I gladly give that title up. Uh, I've been in a a relationship with my, my hopefully one day will be my my future wife. Oh, oh, um, oh, 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 you know what? Look, hey, man. I've been in a relationship for, uh, for a year. You're going, um, heavy. You're going heavy. And, and, and you know, Valentine's Day, hey, you know, I've been through a lot uh, these last couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> Just it's, been rough. it's been real. It's been rough. It's been rough. And it, it's always great to have someone by your side when you're going through the <laughs> toughest things in your life. Right? Hey, man. And, look, don't, look, don't give the people too much. Don't give the people too much. Um... <laughs> Obviously, appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate your candor when we're answering these questions. I know because we went through so much stuff so fast, there will yeah. be a lot of folks that will, um, you know, want to follow up in regards to uh, some of your answers. They'll come to me. I'm sure I'll be able to get them to your people. And sometime down the road in another Chiefs Movement episode, I'll have a kind of Q&A where um, we can get some answers. And obviously we'll have you back on uh, as we oh, move forward throughout the year. I um, love that when we get together. I love it. I, love oh, it. I, I always do as well. So Mayor Stoney, thank you, everybody. Please take a look uh, and visit. Uh, uh, What's the website? RVA.gov. RVA.com, which is also one of my pet no, peeves. No, no, no. You said it wrong. You said it wrong. RVA.gov. RVA.gov. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Well, you know, that was one of my pet peeves was how bad the website was. And hey, look, you came through. You came through. Hey, I ran on that in 2016, and I followed <laughs> up. <laughs> all right. All right, Mayor. As always, thank you for your time. This is the Cheats Movement on the Family Podcast Network. Please, uh, everybody, subscribe and follow and comment. And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. 
ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. I want to thank Mayor LeVar Stoney for his time. If you have any follow-up questions, please send them our way. You can follow us at thefamilypn.com. We're also on Instagram, thefamilypn. We can't do it without you. Please subscribe. Please follow. We need your support. Until next time, we see it. Yeah. Yo, yo, I'm trying to play leaving. Right. See you at the airport.